You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, Episode 15. Today we have a great show, starting with a REIT, Milestones Apartment REIT, we recently recommended to clients, which despite currently returning us around 24% in six months' time, we are mad as hell at the company's takeover, and I am tongue-in-cheek to summers in some respect when I say that. But st- we start the week with our star, uh, a recommendation also from less than one year ago in our U.S. growth stock research. The company Applied Optoelectronics, AAOI on the NASDAQ. The shares jumped over 30%. In one day over the past two weeks recently after it pre-announced strong earnings growth and the stock is up 125% over the past year. Finally, our dog of the week, Alocobra, uh, ADHD on the NASDAQ, comes from the much beleaguered pharma sector. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Keystocks, and on Facebook. Now let's dig into the show. I would again like to welcome back my co-host, Keystone's senior equity analyst, a father of one, and a man who has been so inspired by the quality of pitches on this year's Dragon's Den that he is thinking of personally pitching the Dragon's on a reality show based on a past dragon running for prime minister. Sounds crazy, Mr. Dunn. Yeah, that's my pitch. Well, welcome back. Sounds, sounds all a, too real. It, it is a little bit too real. It is a little bit too real, but I mean, it works south of the border, so I guess, uh, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Yeah, for sure. Welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. I, I, it's been a little while. Good holiday season? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Good. Get, get close to some family, but we're back into it now for the year. Definitely back in the thick of it. A lot of stuff going on. I mean, this is uh, probably going to be, all things considered, a uh, pretty active and interesting year in, in, in the markets. Yeah, and we're here to talk about it. I mean, even today, we've got, uh, I think we've got a great show today. Uh, we're talking about a couple stocks that we actually have recommended over the past year. We don't do that too often, so it's kind of a treat here. Uh, we're going to discuss a stock today. We're going to start off with a company, it's a REIT that uh, we just made around 24% on in less than six months for our clients. But like I said, we're kind of mad as hell about it. And again, like I said, in some respect, my tongue is firmly in cheek, but it's only to a degree. It's a very interesting case. A REIT or a real estate investment trust that we recommended to our clients in June of this past year and also recommended in our special annual REIT report that Aaron put together as one of three select buys in the segment out of over 50 REITs in Canada. So suffice it to say, this is a company that was definitely a favorite in the sector due to its strong fundamentals relative to peers. Now the company itself is Milestone Apartment REIT, uh, again recommended in June of 2016, so just this past year, uh, at a price then of around $17.87. Currently trading around twenty one twenty seven, am I right, Aaron? And re- yielding around three point six percent. Yeah, that's it's it's right around there. Yeah. Okay, so Milestones is the largest REIT listed on the TSX, focused solely on the U.S. multifamily sector. Uh, its REIT portfolio is made up of over seventy multifamily garden-style residential properties, comprising over twenty-two thousand units that are located in fourteen major metro metropolitan city or markets. Sorry, throughout 
Southeast and Southwest United States. So we're going to start with saying, give me some background on milestones. Why did you originally like the story, Aaron? Sure. So it's 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 one of the relatively newer REITs um, in the Canadian market, and like you said, it's it's one hundred percent focused on U.S. multifamily. So why did I like it? Well, really, I I, I saw it as having industry leading fundamentals. Um, it's one of the things that I, I like about it is is where it's positioned. So it's positioned in a lot of Sunbelt um, regions regions in the U.S. with very strong population growth, very strong um, economic growth, and it is fully focused 100% focused on multifamily uh, properties. So, so the essentially garden style apartment buildings. Um, what I like about this segment of the real estate market is that apartments are, are generally seen as being a somewhat defensive a- asset class, much more so generally than, than retail or, or, or office properties. And the reason for that is, is fairly logical. I mean, we all need a place to live, like no matter what happens with the economy, we need a place to live. And when um, when the economy contracts and, and possibly people lose their homes, then then it's a sad thing. But then they have to they have to rent an apartment. Um, these apartment rates tend to maybe not perform as strong as the more cyclical ones when when the market is strong. But we would still expect to see some some rent growth from that. And then specifically milestone, it it it, it they just did a fantastic job in terms of um, in terms of growth, same property growth. They're, they're averaging around. Um, Around six percent um, in recent in recent years, with respect to same property um, rental rate increases, um, and about nine percent with um, same property NOI growth. Those those are those are you know average ballpark numbers, but they're much higher. There, I mean, if you just look at same property performance, it, it it is without a doubt the has the best best growth profile amongst any Canadian REIT, um, and then and then just growth on an absolute basis as well. I mean, they're very active. With respect to, to acquisitions, so they did about seven hundred million U.S. in acquisitions in um, in twenty sixteen. So there is some good embedded gro- embedded growth I saw in in terms of free cash flow per share going into this year, and then also valuations. So when we when we purchased it, it was trading at about fourteen point five times um, free cash flow or adjusted funds from operations, and and then relative to to the well REITs in the U.S. or in Canada on a cash flow basis. Very, very um, attractive valuation in our opinion. So, we we really just we we saw it and we continue to see it as is one of the better investment options for for REIT investors up up here in Canada. Okay, now, again, well, you you're very happy that our clients are doing well with this recommendation, and we're happy, obviously. Um, tell us a little about the deal and why you're uh, opposed to the deal. So it's it's not that I'm opposed to a deal. I just I don't like the valuation. Uh, basically, essentially, what they're doing is they're they're it's it's the valuation the, the takeout price is in U.S. dollars. So sixteen fifteen, which which based on the the pre acquisition price the in the days following is about a just under a twelve percent just under a twelve percent premium. The REITs that I have covered in the past that have been taken out have generally been taken out at premiums from of 20 to 33 percent granted the the premium is is less of an issue because it, it's all relative to where you know where the valuation is right right now or, or or before the the acquisition took place but the acquisition valuation is is about 16.1 times which when we look at the Canadian market um, when we look at companies that have comparable fundamentals in terms of growth financial position, we're we're seeing much higher valuations. We're seeing valuations in the range of eighteen to twenty times free cash flow. So it really comes down to a valuation 
evaluation situation for for me i i would just like to see a higher price and i've, I've had some pretty extensive conversations with with management team on this and they're not looking at it from a price to cash flow valuation. They're looking at it on a on a net asset value or a cap rate perspective. So I, I I understand that that is how a lot of transactions happen in 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 the REIT sector. But where what I'm looking at here is 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 the problem when you're looking at NAV uh, net asset value is that it, it is really based on a lot of assumptions and a lot of estimates and expectations about the future and whatnot and it's highly subject to error. I mean, small changes in these assumptions can can make a big change in, in NAV. And I think that, you know, I, I don't have any suspicion that, you know, the NAV was improperly calculated. But the for me, as an investor, the better way to look at it is the cash flow, because that is essentially what the business is is there to produce as cash flow. And that's what pays the dividend. Um, and that's what is used as essentially to reinvest anything back into the business. So you look at the cash flow, you look at the the free cash flow adjusted funds from operation, and then you you take into account obviously the financial leverage, um, and then the quality of the assets and the risk profile of the assets. But when you do that, I you know once again, um, Milestone has one of the strongest balance sheets in amongst Canadian REITs, and I'm I'm comparing it with Canadian REITs because yeah, it's, it's a Canadian a listed com- stock, even though the properties right? are down in the U.S. It's a Canadian listed stock. Relative to U.S. REITs, it's actually a little more leveraged, but relative to Canadian REITs, it is it is you know it has a very strong balance sheet. The um, the risk profile of the properties I think is 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 very acceptable. I think that they're they're high quality properties, generally fairly young properties, and and then of course there's the valuation. So maybe maybe you don't get quite to the eighteen to twenty times valuation. I'm not sure, but I I just think that sixteen is is too low. I'd, I'd like a, I'd like a better offer myself. And, yeah, and, and and if a better offer doesn't come, then I would just I would just stay with I would just stay with the company, and I, I would have no problem with that. And. A lot of it was part of your peer evaluation. You looked at, identified, I think, four apartment REITs, which you considered par- uh, comparables in the Canadian market, and, and just found that the the price to adjusted free uh, cash flow just was not uh, at a level that you, you thought was reflective of the premium assets that are in the company. Yeah, I compared it to what I consider to be you know, the higher quality apartment REITs in Canada. So that would be um, a Canadian apartment REIT, Interrent, Killam Property, and Moorgard, North America, which also is is mostly in the U.S. and that's that's where I come up with the with the average valuation of of eighteen to twenty times. Yeah, and this multiple was at sixteen point one, so it's still yeah, eight, well eight, eighteen below. to twenty times. But then we also have to then we're also going to factor in the the financial leverage as well. So Milestone compared to that group has got um, on average less levered balance sheet so less financial risk on the balance sheet and then in terms of the quality of the properties i i would say that it's 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 certainly on par with any of the companies there so there's an argument to be made that they could get a premium to the average whereas they're getting a discount right now well the way that it was explained to me is that you know if if they were to do an 18 to 20 times multiple explained to me by management then the cap rate on that or or the net asset value the valuation in net asset value would just be too high so once again i look at the cash flow you you have to look at everything You, you do have to look at you do have to take everything into account but at the end of the day you know this is this is this is a company that, that compares extremely well to the Canadian peers. So you want to get a valuation, even if you're not getting 22 times, even if you're getting, you know, 
17 and a half instead of 18. You don't want to, as an investor, I'm, I'm receiving the cash flow. It's, it's, it's about the cash flow, the risk profile to me. And when the risk profile is, is on par with the others and the valuation relative to cash flow is significantly lower, then that's a consideration. And when you consider the fact that, you know, NAV is a very, I mean, it's, 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 subject, to, it's subject to problems, those calculations. That's just the way they are. It's nobody's fault. That's just the way it is when you make those types of, of, of calculations. When, when, you, when you factor that in, 16.1 times free cash flow just doesn't, just doesn't do it. And if you can't get more than that, then just don't sell the company, in my opinion. Yeah, so we're we're kind of left in a precarious situation as well. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, it's not. I mean, you said we're mad as hell. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not really actually mad. I mean, the management team, the management team, they they did a great job before building the business, and you know, like like you had said before, we're getting twenty three, twenty four percent in six months. You can't really be mad at that. I, I just think that, you know, with that 12% premium, basically, that they're getting in the, in the takeout offer, they call it, once again, they call it a 16% premium, but they're going off of the 30-day um, average price, volume adjusted average price in the previous 30 days. Uh, a lot of companies, they'll, they'll use a 20-day instead of a 30-day. And then once again, once you if you go a 20 instead of a 30, then then it starts to look closer to the 12% premium instead of the 16. But but I I just think that, you know, they could have they could have done... The, the share they they could have they could have generated that return just in the market themselves um, over the over the next year so I would have been happy just uh, just going the course with them. In summary, right now we're getting a good return. Uh, you're you're saying to vote no uh, for, for our clients. That, that's my position uh, right now. That's my position right now. The, it's based they, on the fundamentals. Yeah, I think based on based on the the information that I have, and um, they're going to be issuing uh, their information circular. Which will have more information in, I believe, a week or two, roughly. So I'm going to go through that as well, and and I'm going to go through some other other information. The 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 only problem that I face here is that I think that they should not sell the company for that price. I think that if you're going to sell the company, I mean, they can say that oh well, this is a fair value, and well maybe maybe it is, but if it's only just a a, a fair value, then I would say you know don't bother selling it. Just continue to grow the business as as you've done in the past. Um, but, if, if, unless you're willing to, usually when, when, when you're acquiring a business, when you're taking it out of the market, you're, you're adding a little bit on extra, you're adding a little bit above just, just what would be considered a fair value, right? Because why else would you incentivize me to sell an asset that, that essentially has been growing and, 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 and generating a good return. But the only problem that I see, the thing that kind of worries me is that because management is so supportive of this, um, of this deal that what happens if then we get to a point where, you know, the shareholders strike down the deal and are, is management going to stay with the business or do we have to find a new CEO or, I mean, the CEO himself owns 12%. He's, this is basically his, he, he started the company. He wants to sell it without him. Is it going to be successful? I don't know. So we're right now in, in my report, I said our, our position is not to tender and um you know as more information comes out that that could change i could i could we could get to a point before the vote where i say we still don't like this price but you know we're just gonna we're just gonna go along with management and and move on to the next company and and focus our efforts there um right now we we just we we can't say for sure but my hope is that part a big part of the reason of me contacting and, and, and talking to management was to express my opinion um and my hope is that you know maybe 
Starwood will come back. That's the company acquiring Milestone, our proposed proposed acquisition. We're hoping that you know maybe they'll come back with a better price. Thank you. That's a good summary. Now we're going to move on to our star of the week. From our stars and dogs segment, it's time for this week's star. We have a treat for you this week in our star category. We do not often include a company that is in current coverage, but the gains in this stock over the past month and in fact year uh, were too difficult to ignore. Uh, Our clients have already really made tremendous gains on this company, and it gives you some insight into the companies we look at at in our U.S. growth stock research. The company is Applied Optoelectronics. The symbol is AAOI on the NASDAQ. They are a provider of fiber optic networks for the internet database, cable, broadband, fiber to home, and telecom markets. Specifically, the company designs and manufactures a range of optical communications products from laser chips, components, sub-assemblies, and modules to complete turnkey equipment. Now, all three of the company's end markets are driven by bandwidth demand fueled by the growth of network-connected devices that included video traffic, cloud computing, and online social networking some of the biggest drivers of bandwidth demand. Now, on January 11th of this year, AAOI announced certain preliminary unaudited financial results for the fourth quarter ended December 31st, 2016. These results significantly exceeded both the company's guidance and all analyst estimates that were out there. So on Thursday, that day, the next day, the company's shares surged 30% following the news in one day. And again, the shares are now up 125% in the past year. The results that came in, revenues are now expected to be in the range of 85 million in that range, 84.5, sorry, to 84.8, which is above the prior outlook of 75 to 79 million. Non-GAAP earnings per share, this is where we saw the real uptick, um, are expected now to be in the range of 77 to 82 cents per share. This guidance was raised from the prior non-GAAP outlook of 46 to 51. That's an approximate 67% increase. So that's why you've got the tremendous uptick in the company's shares immediately following that announcement. So what is driving the growth? Well, AAOI is in the is a mar- majority market share supplier to the two largest hyperscale data center customers on the internet. That would be Amazon and Microsoft. Uh, these two largest and rapidly growing cloud computing players. Uh, in a recent presentation, the company also stated it is in the early stages of doing business with its new data center customer acquired in Q3 of this past year, which is widely uh, reported to be or believed to be Facebook. So AAOI has also stated that it is ramping up to critical mass at this newest data center customer, which is reported to be Facebook, and would likely smooth out some of the normal quarterly lumpiness that we've seen in the company associated with its two largest customers, that being Amazon and Microsoft. Um, now, and we, and we look for a strong and likely sustained upward secular trend in this hyperscale data center market. Now, while the stock has more than doubled since our original recommendation last year, midterm, the growth trajectory looks bright, and we continue to see this company as a star going forward. So with this company, I remember it, when, when you first recommended it, there is a little bit of volatility immediately after. 
Oh, I mean, it provides an excellent case of, um, n you know, not setting a stop loss in this company. Um, because, yeah, when we originally recommended, they actually had a quarter where they came out and, and there was that volatility in their, in their quarter. And the stock came down from the $15 level to $9 briefly. Uh, you know, they had a hiccup in one quarter. But uh, the company, nothing had changed into, in terms of its two largest customers, in terms of the company being in a growth market. There is some lumpiness in quarterly earnings, and we do expect volatility going forward. Uh, but we told clients at that point to hold, continue to hold their shares. Um, and and the, the ones who, who did have been very happy as the sh share price surged in the following three quarters as the company upped its guidance and basically made up for that miss uh, in this fourth quarter with tremendous earnings growth and uh, you know a company where really you got to give it more than two three four weeks you got to give it a year or two years for management to actually uh, grow the business capitalize on its great customers and that's what we did and we when we look at an investment we're not looking what's going to happen the next two weeks after or two months after we're looking two three years down the road and we th saw that growth trajectory and now we've been rewarded uh, with having a little bit of patience and really anything under a year is not a ton of patience. It's just, you know, waiting for the company to deliver on the growth that we see there. So we'll continue to own this stock uh, for the next couple of years and we see good growth going forward. Oh, good pick. Yeah, it's done well. Good. Uh, so I'll, I'll, ha I'll handle the dog. Excellent. From our Stars and Dogs segment, it's time for this week's Dog. Okay, so our dog of the week is Alcobra, that's A-D-H-D on the NASDAQ. So Alcobra is an emerging pharmaceutical company primarily focused on the development and commercialization of MDX. Metadoxin extended release, a proprietary drug candidate to treat cognitive disorders including ADHD and fragile X syndrome. The stock has dropped 51% year to date and lost 80% of its value over the last year. What's impacted the stock so negatively so far in 2017, aside from being in an industry pharma, which is in, in the doghouse at present? Um, on January 17th, the company reported that its main drug candidate, MDX, did not meet the primary endpoint of demonstrating a statistically significant difference from the placebo in the change from baseline of the investigator rating of Connor's adult ADHD rating scales. So that's, that's a lot. That's a mouthful. But in other words, their drug just did not, from the testing, look very effective. So obviously this is not, not a good sign. Um, although the company appears to have a strong cash balance in the range of 54 million, which is above the total market cap, there is um, no revenue stream and the company is burning through cash rather quickly. Total operating expenses in the third quarter 2016 were 7.9 million compared to 4.3 million in the third quarter of 2015. Net operating expenses, excluding non-cash stock-based compensation of six hundred thousand, um, in the third quarter of twenty sixteen, uh, were were seven point three million compared to three point seven million last year. Research and development costs in the third quarter were six point four million compared to two point nine last year. Um, R and D expenses consisted primarily of costs associated with the um, the basically the tests that they did that that didn't um, that didn't work out well for the drug. Um, general administrative expenses in the third quarter were 1.2 million, similar to last year. And the balance sheet, the balance sheet looks good with cash, marketable securities, and deposits totaling about 54 million uh, as of the end of the quarter. 
Um, so the, the, this company is based in Israel, and we we have also noted a lower general valuations associated with Nasdaq listed stocks that are based in this area. Uh, at present, despite the the drop in the cash balance, there's really there's really nothing to to invest in at this point because they aren't generating any any revenue, and the asset that they're trying to, to develop is not is not proving itself to be to 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 be useful. So right now, we don't see the stock as investable. Yeah, I think that's a good summary. And when you're looking at a company like that, that's you know putting a huge bet on one given drug, um, you know that can show you the downside in short order. Uh, when that drug doesn't work uh, the way that they believe it could. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just too much risk for us to be involved in a company like that. Yeah, I mean, for us, for us, the, the lack of revenue, I don't care what, what the tests, yeah, what the tests, we, we never would have been said. involved. You're not in generating any revenue. That's not investable for us. Some people like to speculate. There is often upside, but in this case, even the tests aren't going well for them. So, you know, not the greatest market sentiment right now no revenues and, and poor test results. So it's definitely the dog of the week. Yes, it is. And that uh, will finish off our show for this week. Uh, we'd like to thank uh, our clients for stopping by to listen and anybody else who's listening out there. Uh, I thank Aaron for co-hosting again this week and uh, profitable investing. Thank you, Ryan. Profitable investing.